So here's the question as we prepare to hear our scripture lessons. Are we living in a time of darkness or a time of light? Which is it? Are individual lives and the life of this world filled with darkness or shining brightly with light and with love? Well, it really depends on the day now, doesn't it? This dilemma, this quandary, this catch-22, this predicament, this paradox, any other synonyms for what we live in? This is what our lives are really all about. One day we might experience the unbridled joy of life, and the very next day we might feel the veil of darkness overwhelming us. And as usual, the biblical writers are very insightful and articulate about capturing this essential nature of our human existence. In the first scripture passage that Kathy reads, the prophet Isaiah is speaking to the people of Israel after they have returned from a long period of exile in Babylon. But rather than returning to that promised land flowing with milk and honey, the Hebrew people found that the farmland was hard and non-productive, the economy poor, the morale of the people very low. They left the darkness of exile only to find more darkness in their much-anticipated return to the homeland. Into this not-so-encouraging scene, the prophet Isaiah offers these words of encouragement. Arise, shine, for your light has come. Nations shall come to your light and kings to the brightness of your dawn. So which is it, darkness or light, or is life always both? The Apostle Paul is no different, for he also wants it both ways, proclaiming that we live in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation, but actually there is a way that we can be blameless, innocent children of God in the midst of life's darkness. Apparently all we need to do day in and day out to combat life's endless darkness is to let the light of our love shine like stars in the world. Well, with this new year, with this new decade, it's time to shine. The reading from Isaiah. Arise, shine, for your light has come and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. For darkness shall cover the earth, and thick darkness the peoples. But the Lord will rise upon you, and his glory will appear over you. Nations shall come to your light, and kings to the brightness of your dawn. Lift up your eyes and look around. They all gather together, they come to you. Your sons shall come from far away and your daughters shall be carried on their nurses' arms. Then you shall see and be radiant. Your heart shall thrill and rejoice, because the abundance of the sea shall be brought to you, and the wealth of the nations shall come to you. A multitude of camels shall cover you, the young camels of Midian and Ephah. All those from Sheba shall come. They shall bring gold and frankincense, and shall proclaim the praise of the Lord. And from Philippians, Therefore, my beloved, just as you have always obeyed me, 
not only in my presence, but much more now in my absence. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who is at work in you, enabling you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Do all things without murmuring and arguing, so that you may be blameless and innocent children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation in which you shine like stars in the world. May God bless our understanding of this reading. Thanks be to God. For those of you who were not here for either our 10, uh, 8 o'clock or 11 o'clock Christmas Eve services, because you were either at the 4.30 wonderful pageant or traveling to be with family and friends, the opening lines of my brief meditation had some people knowing exactly what I, I was saying, if not why, and the rest left the rest of the folk wondering if I had already had just a little too much Christmas cheer. <laughs> Here's how I began that meditation. Hee-haw, hee-haw. <laughs> my mouth's bleeding, Bert, my mouth's bleeding. Yes, those were my opening lines, and it caught their attention, as it maybe did yours. But why? Why? Because I was attempting that night to make the point that the 11th best American film of all time, and the number one most inspiring film of all time, It's a Wonderful Life, owes much of its success to the inspiration it provides us at the end. The triumph of good over evil, the difference that one life can make in this world, and the power of a community to show generosity and love, even in the most dire and darkest moments of life. And that inspiring classic actually ends with two songs. First, a joyous rendition of Hark the Herald Angels Sing. And then do you remember the other song that ends the film? A song that many of you may have sung a few nights ago on New Year's Eve. The song ends with the, the tear-provoking words from Old Lang Syne. Should old acquaintance be forgot and never brought to mind, should old acquaintance be forgot and old Lang Syne. It is a song we sing or hear each year because we are poised at that moment in time when we are looking back at a year now past and looking ahead to the year to come. So how was this past year? How was 2019? And what is in store for us for 2020? 2020. Well, according to two-time Pulitzer Prize-winning columnist Nicholas Kristof, in the long arc of human history, 2019 was a very good year. For in all of human history, it was probably the year in which children were least likely to die, adults were least likely to be illiterate, and families least likely to be in extreme poverty. And yet, Christoph and none of us here would deny that 2019 was still a very tough year for those struggling in poverty, living in a refugee camp for year upon year, 
or suffering because of war or violence or natural disaster. And closer to home, 2019 was not a good year for those who lost dear, dear loved ones, lost a job, struggled with personal doubt or depression, family trouble at home, or the diagnosis of a disease. For example, 2019 was not a very good year for Jeopardy's Alex Trebek or for civil rights icon and congressman John Lewis or for my brother-in-law Jim from Duluth, all of whom were diagnosed with pancreatic cancer. Darkness or light, light or darkness, which is it in our individual lives and in the life of this world? Or is it never ever simply one or the other, but always both? Even a cursory look at the headlines confirms that there is darkness all around us in our world. The darkness of wildfires out of control in poor Australia. The need for the Gossamer interfaith community to gather to light candles, to counter the darkness of bigotry and hate, and to say no to anti-Semitic violence. And if there's any agreement about anything about recent events in the Middle East, is that at, over, it is that over the last few days we have awoken each morning to a more dangerous world. But perhaps we can learn something from the people of Israel years ago. There they stood looking at the darkness of their years in exile, but then looking to the future with their return to the homeland, hopefully to a land and a future filled with milk and honey. And yet, as we have heard, all things were not peachy keen upon their return to that promised land. The land was not very promising. Who knows, maybe it even resembled the wildfire-ravaged landscape of Australia. At any given moment in human history, in any given moment in our individual lives, a veil of darkness can seemingly block out any light of hope. And to the extent that the world has darkness in it, and to the extent that our personal lives have their dark and sad moments, the darkness did not disappear over the holiday break. And the violence, the hatred, the hunger, the despair of our world have not disappeared. Moreover, the stress and strain of our lives, the pain and problems, the difficulties we face have not disappeared. So what are we to do? both as individuals and as a community, a beloved family we call First Church. How are we to be the stars that shine in the midst of the world's darkness and in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation? What is God calling us to do? What is the Christ child calling us to do? Will the power of light and love by a group of people to overcome the world's darkness was a great lesson learned back in the early 1990s 
by five-year-old Isaac Schnitzer of Billings, Montana. One of only a hundred Jews in a city of 85,000 in Billings, Montana, Isaac had placed a menorah in his bedroom window. He wanted to celebrate his faith tradition of the Festival of Lights, Hanukkah. Then someone sped by his house, slowing down long enough to throw a cinder block through his window, breaking his menorah. Isaac's mom said to the press how sad it was to have to remove a symbol of her faith to protect her family. Well, that remark deeply touched Margaret McDonald, who was the head of the Montana State Conference of Churches and a member of First Congregational Church of Billings. Margaret McDonald persuaded her church to distribute 200 paper menorahs already prepared for a church lesson, church school lesson on Hanukkah, to pass them out to their congregation. She warned them, though, that they risk more rock throwing if they put them in their windows. More rocks were thrown, some homes were vandalized, but finally the community had had enough. Suddenly 10,000 paper menorahs hung in as many windows. The light of the menorahs stopped the terror. The light of the menorahs overcame the darkness of the hatred and the violence. One final note, word of this story of courage, light, and love overcoming hate reached a French photographer. Can't tell too well on this picture, it's on the front of your bulletin, but Google it. He came from France to Montana and had the townspeople pose on one of the main streets, all of them holding a menorah. Firemen, policemen, railroad men, people of faith, people gathered to say no to the violence, and to let their light shine. In response to the Hanukkah stabbings of last week, Rabbi David Niedemann, who leads a social service organization in Brooklyn, said, We are without answers. How can I say to a family, or to my children, or to my grandchildren, go to school, go to pray, go to work, no problem, you'll be safe coming home. Well, as the rabbi knows, and as each of us here know in our own lives, or know the reality of this beautiful yet often hurting world. At one moment it is the bright light of day, and the next it is the darkest nights because of the death of a loved one, the diagnosis of a disease, because of the violence and war, because of starving children or hurting creation. On any given day we are without answers. Without answers in the face of the world's sadness, despair, and neither can we guarantee to everyone that they will be safe from that diagnosis, from that death, from darkness. Friends, the darkness is very real, but year after year our response here will be to light one candle rather than to curse the darkness. In the power of our light, the power of our lives and the power of our love, 
will overcome.